0: Every time I speak to an audience, I always begin with the word shalom. Usually I say, shalom, my friends. Shalom means hello in Hebrew, but it also means peace. And shalom is the greatest blessing that I could ever pray upon anyone. On today's podcast, I'm going to talk about the true meaning of shalom and why it's a word that every person of faith should be familiar with. We'll look at the biblical story of Noah and the flood and uncover the secret of how the ark carried Noah, his family, and a whole lot of animals peacefully through the storm. I have some great Jewish teachings and stories that I can't wait to share with you. I know that they will inspire you and help guide you on your own path towards Shalom, The Bible tells us that when God saw how corrupt humanity had become, he decided to destroy the world and everything in it, with the exception of Noah and his family, and a pair of each type of creature, from birds to animals. God told Noah about his plan to destroy the world and instructed him to construct a giant ark which would serve as a refuge for Noah's family and the creatures that God planned to spare. The verses that I want to focus on today describe the scene when the rain began and Noah, his family, and the wildlife entered the ark. The verses are from Genesis 7, verses 13 through 16, and I'm going to read them to you now. On that very day, Noah and his sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God has commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. These verses make it clear that one male and one female of every type of living being that existed on earth entered the ark with Noah and his family. It was literally the world's oldest and largest zoo that has probably ever existed. I've heard this story more times than I can count, and I bet you have too. But I want to share with you something that I never thought about until recently. It is an insight that I learned from Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau, the former chief rabbi of Israel, when he addressed over 70 world leaders that had come to visit Israel. Let me back up a second and describe the context to you. It was January 22, 2020, and I was glued to the TV like most Israelis. Over 70 leaders from all over the world, including kings, princes, and prime ministers from the world's greatest countries, gathered in Jerusalem to mark the 75th year since the liberation of Auschwitz, the Nazi death camp. I have to tell you, watching world leaders pay homage to the Holocaust victims and the Jewish people in the heart of Jerusalem felt prophetic to me and even messianic. It felt like a preview of times to come when every nation will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord, just as the prophet Zechariah described in 822. After some of these leaders gave their speeches, Rabbi Israel Meir Lau was called to address the audience. Now, Rabbi Lau is not only the former chief rabbi of Israel, but also a Holocaust survivor himself. He was just a child during the Holocaust, but he rose from the ashes and became a great rabbi and a symbol of hope and faith. That night, Rabbi Lau delivered an extremely moving speech. And towards the end of it, he referenced the biblical story of Noah's Ark. And here's what he pointed out that I had never thought about before. He said, How is it possible that with every type of species on the Ark, Not even one attacked another. Wow, think about that. There were snakes and children, lions and doves on that ark. And yet, during the 150 days that the Bible tells us they were on board, not one creature was harmed. How is that possible? Rabbi Lau explained that the reason why not one animal turned on another is because they were united against a common enemy, the raging storm. They understood that in order to survive, they had to live peacefully together in the ark. Then Rabbi Lau addressed the world leaders and asked them, don't we have enough reasons to understand what the snake was able to understand in the ark of Noah? He explained that today nations of the world face terrible common enemies, such as cancer, hunger, crime, and nuclear weapons. Shouldn't we be united against our common enemies? Rabbi Lau pointed out that we can't afford to attack one another. We need each other in order to survive and create a better world for all of our children. Rabbi Lau ended his speech by addressing the world leaders again. He said, In one signature, you can make a decision that affects millions of people. So decide for love and friendship and peace forever. As you might have guessed, when Rabbi Lau finished speaking, the crowd erupted into applause and gave him a standing ovation. Just thinking about it still gives me the chills. Rabbi Lau's plea to the leaders of the world echoes the cry of the Jewish people, a weary nation that has endured almost 2,000 years of exile and persecution. It is a call for peace, a call to shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. It's a word that is so intertwined with the Jewish faith that it has become almost iconic, a symbol of Judaism. If you walk into any gift shop, chances are you'll find something with the word shalom on it. This isn't surprising, considering how often we use the word shalom. We use shalom to say hello, and we use shalom to say goodbye. In Hebrew, if you want to ask how someone is doing, you say, which literally means, how is your peace? And when the Sabbath arrives, the holiest day of our week, we wish each other a Shabbat Shalom, a Sabbath of peace. The word Shalom is prominent in Judaism's most popular songs, and it is the last word of important prayers, like the priestly blessing, the amidah, and the grace after meals. Obviously, shalom is one of the greatest values in the Jewish faith, but not everyone understands what it really means. We translate shalom as peace, but that's not completely accurate. It doesn't capture the full meaning of shalom. If you look up the word peace in the dictionary, you will find that peace means the absence of war or any other kind of disturbance. But that's not the definition of shalom. Shalom is rooted in the Hebrew word shalem, which means whole or complete, Shalom is so much more than the absence of turbulence. Shalom is the presence of wholeness. Shalom is not the absence of war, but it is the presence of unity. Good fences may make good neighbors, but they do not create peace in its truest sense. Real peace is when neighbors interact with each other. It's when I can borrow eggs from my neighbor if I run out and my neighbor knows that she can count on me to give her a ride when her car is in the shop. It's when I'm lacking something that you can give to me and you are lacking something that I can give to you and together we are each more complete. Shalom is when different parties set aside their differences and see the good in each other for the sake of a higher purpose. And in doing so, we are able to achieve more than we could ever achieve on our own. This is the type of peace that Rabbi Lau called for in his address to the leaders of the world. Not just that nations should stop hurting other nations, but that nations should come together and work together for the sake of our common goals. Can you imagine what a world with shalom would look like? If every nation worked together to solve the world's greatest problems, let me describe to you what this looks like in real life. Forty years ago, my father, Rabbi Echstein of blessed memory, brought a group of Christians and Jews to Ukraine in the spirit of Psalm One Thirty Three, Hine <speaking> matovu <in> manaim shevetachim <Hebrew> gam yachad. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. During the trip, the group visited the home of an 85-year-old man, a Holocaust survivor living in terrible poverty, in order to bring him food, which he needed desperately. During the visit, the man shared his story, a heart-wrenching story of how his whole family and his entire village were murdered before his eyes during the Holocaust, and how he miraculously survived. As the man spoke, it became very clear that he was very, very sick. My father offered to take him to a doctor, but he explained that he had a heart problem, and that the doctor said that it would cost five hundred dollars for him to have a surgery that would heal his heart. It was obvious that the man didn't even have fifty dollars to his name, but without it, he would die. Then one of the Christians from the group who was crying with this man put his hand in his pocket. He pulled out $250 and said, you're halfway there. When one of the Jewish people saw that, he put his hand in his pocket and he pulled out $250. He gave it to the man who would die without this heart procedure and said, now you are all the way there. Now you can have the surgery And live. This, my friends, is what shalom looks like. It's when two groups of people who definitely have their differences come together to form one complete whole and accomplish more than they could have ever achieved alone. After 2,000 years of animosity, Jews and Christians have learned to put aside our differences for the sake of what we have in common. For the first time in history, we are coming together, and by working together, we are bringing so much blessing to the world. That is shalom. That is true peace. There is a quote in the Talmud, a book of Jewish teachings that was compiled 2,000 years ago, but still so relevant today, which says, Great is shalom, for God did not find a vessel that could hold blessings Other than shalom. In other words, shalom is the blessing that makes all other blessings possible. It is the vessel that holds other blessings, and the bigger vessel, the more blessings it can hold. Consider this you have a couple who has everything plenty of money, good health, great children but if they don't have shalom between husband and wife, how much can they actually enjoy their blessings? Or you might have a country that is blessed with an abundance of food and resources. But if there is no shalom between the people, how can they enjoy God's blessings? If we don't have shalom, it's hard to have any blessings in our lives. On the other hand, the more we have shalom, the more we can experience all of God's blessings. The Talmud tells us about a woman who brought peace to the Holy Land and the amazing blessings that came as a result. In the first century BCE, Judea was ruled by Queen Shlom Tzion. Originally, her name was Alexandra, but because she brought peace to a nation that was plagued by violence, she became known as Shalom Tzion, which means she who makes peace in Zion. But before Shlom Tzion became queen, life was anything but peaceful, for her or for anyone else in Judea. She was married to the king of Judea, who was so evil and so suspicious of his own family that he threw all of them in prison. In addition, the Jewish people were in the midst of a ruthless internal battle between those who disregarded the Bible and those who stuck to its laws. When Shalom Tzion's husband died, the first thing she did was free his family in an attempt to make Shalom peace. She married her deceased husband's brother, according to the Jewish custom, but it turned out that he was just as bad as his brother was. The country continued to be racked with violence. Shalom nowhere to be found. Eventually, that husband died too, and Shalom Tzion became the ruler of Judea. For nine years until her death, Judea enjoyed unprecedented peace. Queen Shlom Tzion succeeded at restoring shalom within her people. The Talmud describes how the produce that grew during that brief period of time was unnaturally abundant. Wheat grew to the size of kidney beans, oats grew to the size of olives, and lentils grew to the size of large coins. The blessing of abundance that was showered on the Holy Land was attributed to Queen Shalom Tzion and the peace that she brought to the land. The rabbis preserved some of the produce for future generations in order to show them what is possible when there is Shalom. It goes down all the way from the people to their hearts to the land. And this small window into that short time period gives us great insight into what is possible with the blessing of peace, the blessing of shalom for all of us today. When the Bible describes the messianic era, the prophet Isaiah says that nations will beat their swords into plowshares and that there will be no war. That's from Isaiah 2.4. But Isaiah also describes how the wolf will live with the lamb. The cow will feed the bear and their young ones will lie down together. That's in Isaiah 116 6 to 7. This is a vision, my friends, of shalom, real shalom. Not just the absence of war, but living together in wholeness and in harmony. This is the destiny of the world. And it starts with us. The more we can foster shalom in our homes and in our communities, the more we will see shalom in our countries and in the world. And the more we have shalom, the more we will enjoy all of the blessings that come with it. Psalm 34, 14 tells us to seek peace and pursue it. Shalom is something that we should actively pursue and work on every day of our lives. This week, take some time to consider how you might bring more peace into your life and into the world. Can you be more forgiving and more loving in your personal relationships? Can you reach out to someone who is different than you and build a relationship around what you do have in common and what you can learn from your differences? Can you be the peacemaker in your family, at work, or in your community? Bringing shalom into the world is not always easy, but it's always worth it. It brings about tremendous blessings. And on that note, I want to end with the words of the priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Ya er hashem panav elecha vechunecha may the lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you yisa hashem panav elecha may the lord turn his face towards you lecha shalom and give you peace shavua tov my friends have a wonderful week thank you for listening to the nourish your biblical roots podcast If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.